It's now fourth and game. Fourth and seven from the Atlanta 34. 28-24 Atlanta on fourth and seven. Atlanta blitzes. Dobbs, he's going to be hit as he throws. Can he get away from it? Yes, he does. Look out from behind. He's going to get the first down. He's going to get more than that. Dobbs grinding to the 10. And he got out of bounds. Holy cow with this Josh Dobbs. We haven't seen this type of quarterback play ever. whose achievements inspired a nation and captured the imagination of the world. These are the men who had the right stuff. Hey, everybody! He's Chuck Yeager. She's Gladys. Oh, who am I? I'm Alan Shepard. No, wait, that ain't it. He's Gordo Cooper. She's Pacho. I'm uh, John Glenn. That ain't it either. We are, we are far from the right stuff. But we are Vikings reporting through it. Ted, Trister, how are you? Well, you're all set. I told you you were stable, well-adjusted, attentive, persevering. I lied. Oh, what a great film, Ted. The right oh. stuff. This week, we are the right stuff because we are heading home to play a, essentially another playoff game. We keep calling them playoff games, but we won four in a row. And welcome, everybody, to episode 113. And I'm smarter than you are. We got that for the movie tonight, a little right stuff. And uh, how you doing, Ted Glover? I'm doing great. I'm doing good, man. I am uh, I'm fired up about the Vikings. It was looking bleak for like the first month, dude. We have had a Klaus von Bülow reversal of fortune. <laughs> like in the like reversal reversal of fortune. What the hell did you just say? Yeah, exactly. The Vikings were Sonny von Bülow dead and in a coma in a vegetative state. Now they're back up off the mat like the Undertaker, man. Man, their defense is really playing well. We're going to get into all that tonight. Yeah, we are. Hey, did you ever want to be an astronaut when you were a kid? A lot of, so many kids want to be an astronaut when they're little. When I grow up, I want to be a track star. No one ever says, I want to be a junkie when I grow up. Astronaut, fireman. No. Really? No, I wanted to be a sniper. Oh, okay. That didn't work out. <laughs> no, it didn't really? <laughs> No, I never did. I never did the astronaut thing or fireman or anything. First, I wanted to be Fran Tarkinen. Yeah. 
First, I wanted to be Hub Meads, the mascot. Yeah, the mascot, yeah. And I dressed up for him as Halloween one year, and all the kids at school are asking, who the hell are you? Then I wanted to be Fran Tarkington, and then after that, I wanted to be Snake Plissken. Call me Snake. I told you I wasn't a fool, Plissken. Call me Snake. We heard of you too, Plissken. Call me Snake. That's not funny, Plissken. Call me Snake. We'd make one hell of a team, Snake. The name's Plissken. That's what oh, I wanted okay. to be for the rest of my life, was Snake Plissken. There's nobody more badass than Snake Plissken. Come on, Ted. No. I wanted to be Chuck Foreman. I've mentioned this more than once. <laughs> my, my father distinctly told me I will never be Chuck Foreman. He was right. The trivia knowledge needs some work, though. You got beat by a cat? That's a Packers fan. Come on, guys. None of us had a chance to be Chuck Foreman. I mean, come on. I may have the moves like Jagger, but I do not have the moves like the spin doctor. No. I want to be astronaut when I was a kid. I, I really want to be a pilot. So I, you know, kind of did. And uh, The Right Stuff, man, is one of those movies, one of my absolute, probably top five favorite movies ever. We are opening, if you if you didn't know by now, The Light, the Candle is from a reenactment when Alan Shepard, first American in the space, took off. And, man, it's just so many great scenes and, and about the birth of modern flight, you know, right at the end of World War II with the Chuck Yeager going supersonic for the first time in the Mercury astronaut program. Man, it was awesome. Some great scenes in that. That Yeager thing when he's walking back and you see him in the distance from the yeah. fantastic film, fantastic lineup. Is that a man? You damn right it is. <laughs> Sir, over there. Is that a man? <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of which, a lot of times there are celebrities in movies and ex-NFL players. You know Anthony Munoz is in that movie? Is he really? You remember the part where I think it's John Glenn and Alan Shepard, which would be Ed Harris and Scott Glenn, I think it was, with the thing up there, but, you know, with the hot water bottle and the orderly, the big orderly there? That's Anthony Munoz. Oh, it is Anthony Munoz. Yeah, it's Anthony Munoz. If people are wondering who that is, one of the greatest tackles ever to play in the NFL. Hall of Fame left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. Best left tackle ever? I'm going to give it to him. He's in the conversation. I don't know if he is, but he is definitely in the conversation. You know that, that one guy? I can't remember which one it was. Is it peed in his suit? Alan Shepard, yeah. Did you ever pee in your suit when you were flying a helicopter? Jose, permission granted to wet your diapers anytime, son. No, we had this thing. It was like uh, I called it piss bag, but it was like a plastic. It looked kind of like a like a plastic hospital bag, but it had like a, a dried sponge in it. So the only time I really had to use it, we were flying over the ocean and you really couldn't really leave one guy up there by himself. So I had a one of the flight engineers grab me a bag and I peed in it. But, but normally, no, normally we would land enough where you could get out and pee or whatever. I thought these, you were going to say the only time I used it is when all the red lights were flashing on the dash and a voice was saying, pull up. <laughs> pull up. Pull up. That would be the only time I whizzed. No. No, I had nothing. Hey, show us your shirt real quick before we get started. Sorry, I'm late. I don't want to come. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I do, but, you know. I know I'm a I'm a pretty introverted guy. I normally don't want to go places, but that's just me. It's rife for a joke. Hi there, students. Rife. Yeah. R-I-F-E. Okay, it's an adjective, which means something is something happens commonly. 
it's widespread, but especially with harmful or undesirable things. <laughs> but whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> this is a walking that's what she said shirt. All right, like Drew said, we have got a really big show tonight. We've got a lot of news to talk about, what with Josh Dobbs and Jaron Hall and Justin Jefferson and Cam Akers' season-ending injury. We got our preview for the dastardly cheating New Orleans Saints, and they will always be cheaters. And we've got trivia. Trivia returns tonight. Can't wait for trivia. Yeah, it's going to be we awesome. Got trivia back, Ted. Yeah, we've been kind of rusty's golly last month, month and a half, where Ruby's had, you know, had actual real work job stuff to do and had to really press hard just to get the show done and out and couldn't do trivia. But we got trivia coming back tonight, too. Excellent. That is excellent. We got Bobby Farnsworth probably going to show up tonight, too. Robert W. Farnsworth is going to do the preview this week. He's back after a week off. It's, man, we are loaded. We are more loaded than a VFW bar on Friday about 6.30 p.m., brother. Ruby, you out there? How you doing? Hello. <laughs> I'm a little bit frazzled that I had to listen to Ted talk about peeing in a bag or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I'm stoked. Did you want to be an astronaut or what you want to be when you when you're a little girl, when you when you grew up? Be an astronaut, be a pilot, be a fireman, like most little girls want to do? You wanted to be <laughs> Mrs. Bon Jovi. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I can't remember what I wanted to be, but it definitely wasn't an astronaut. It was probably like Princess Leia or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty badass. Although Ruby Bon Jovi does have a ring to it. I would have taken that. Well, I would still take it, but no offense, wow. Drew. <laughs> Ooh. Shot to the heart. No to blame, Drew. You give love a bad name. Bon Jovi showed up at the door. I just, I just leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only half hour away, so if he does show up, hold him there long enough so I can come over and say hi. I want to get his autograph. On a cowboy, on a steel horse, I ride. These guys aren't even talking about the Vikings. This isn't a Viking show. All right, let's talk about the Vikings, and let's talk about our contest. Let's talk about Purple Pain Forums. We do. We got Purple Pain Forums, our home on the internet. Great community of folks. Go ahead and check that out, purplepainforms.com. You can find our show there. You can find a lot of great topics. There's a lot to talk about in the Vikings world right now, and Purple Pain Forms is the place to go. You can also check out our website, vikingsreport.com. That's where you can find our prize vault, links to other past episodes that we've we've appeared on or other shows we've appeared on, that nobody cares about your fantasy team standings, and, the again, the prize vault where you can maybe potentially pick a game-winning prize. So that's Vikings Report. Dot com. Also, shout out to Dan Chat again. Me, you, and Dan Chat totally nailed that preview last week. If you go back and watch that, we were spot on about absolutely everything. The yes. only thing, the only thing we couldn't have predicted is Josh Dobbs coming into the game. We, we pretty much, we pretty much, bam, we blasted through that preview like, yeah, you're going through Mach One, baby. Something wrong with this old mock here. Jump them off the scale. Don't kind of screw you, I mean. You go ahead and bust it. We'll fix it. Personally, I think you're seeing things. Well, it could be. I'm still going upstairs like a bat out of hell. We <laughs> It left me satisfied. I know that. <laughs> we hammered it hard. That's what she said. All right, look. We got a big show tonight. But uh, before we get going, brother, 
What time is it? Ted? I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little problem, win five in a row, and get closer to the division by lighting the candle! He's right! Light this candle! Yes! Resume the countdown! All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right! Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. There we go. We're back, baby. All right. So, Jaron Hall goes out Sunday, second drive. Gets knocked out on the field. And by the way, when you saw that, you remember seeing in the right stuff where Jaeger, I think he's in the X-15. He might have still been in the X-1, but he goes Mach 2.5, and at some point, he gets like the little tunnel vision. He starts blacking right. out. Hits right. his head against the canopy, and it looks like he's going into a flat spin, and he's going to die, and the whole season's over, and then he kind of recovers, and Josh Jobs is like, yeah, I got it, let's go. <laughs> That's kind of what Jaron Hall, what happened to him? Yeah, when the back of his helmet hit the turf there, it looked like a pretty serious hit. And you thought it was over. We did, man. <laughs> <laughs> After Gus Grisham blew the hatch on, on any of the, and the capsule sank and all that. There's a, there's right. kind of a scene where Jaeger says, you know, it takes a special kind of man to volunteer for a suicide mission, especially on TV. And it kind of felt like that's what Josh Dobbs was doing. And if he had had a Josh Freeman game, I couldn't append anything bad on him. I mean, like you can't expect a dude to do well when he has what three days of practice and he barely knows the plays on the game plan. What's up y'all? Um, Josh Dobbs, honored to be in Minnesota, introduce myself. I've been in, you know, similar situations. First it was, you know, Jaron, get up. I hope he's okay. Um, but then it was, you know, hey, like if you're playing, you got to go out there and, and play. Like team still expects you to go out and win and play good football. You know, it was never, you know, in this league, man, there's there's never an excuse for your circumstance. And I learned that from Coach T. You know, usually, you know, people don't really care about your circumstance. They just want to see you succeed given the circumstance you're given. But he, he comes in and he, he does an unbelievable job. I say borderline miraculous. I mean, I don't think, did you see that coming? Did you see that performance coming? No, I didn't. I thought when Jaron Hall went out, we were going to get the time of possession was just going to be so tilted we wouldn't be able to keep up. Even though Atlanta's not a powerhouse, I didn't feel good about at that point, good about the game, but what about Dobbs? You're running an offense, NFL offense of guys you don't even know, you've never thrown to. If you're throwing to somebody for a couple of years, you at least know the receiver's tendencies, what he likes. That win stands out as one of the best wins the Vikings have had in a long time. I would argue you have to consider it if you're thinking top 10 all-time wins, not because of the opponent they played and not because where it mattered in terms of postseason play, although the Vikings are, if the playoffs were start today, are the seventh seed in the NFC, but just for the fact that Josh Dobbs could come in and even remotely run this offense well, and then to top it off, a two-minute game-winning drive, one of the best two-minute drills I've seen the Vikings run in a while. The, the whole thing is, is just has this storybook, yeah. fairy tale element to it that Hollywood would not have touched with a 10-foot pole. They just wouldn't have. We talk about the Vikings being the most entertaining team in football. Yeah. This, like, went to the next level above that. I mean, this was crazy. Football, Ted, a wicked, wicked mistress. Wicked mistress, indeed. But because of that performance and Jaron Hall still in concussion protocol, the Vikings made the call very early. Kevin O'Connell said, I think, in his Monday press conference that Josh Jobs is going to get the start. This week against New Orleans. And, you know, we were discussing this on, on our Sunday postgame show with our good friend, Christopher Gates, who you can see every Sunday on this very YouTube channel with Vikings Report Rewind. We're live with you after every game. And I was the only guy between us three that thought Jaron Hall should be starting. 
if he cleared concussion protocol. But, you know, when you look at it, I don't know if you saw any of the, the locker room postgame speeches or celebrations or stuff that's come out since then. I, I don't see how even if Jaron Hall was healthy, you could go back to him at this point after the reception that Josh Dobbs got in that locker room after that game. You have to play Dobbs. What's he going to say? What, what else am I supposed to do to get the start? <laughs> He at least earned another week, and I'm hoping we don't have us saying next Sunday after the game with Chris Gates on our post-game live show, I hope we're not saying what happened to the Dobbs we had last week. I hope we're not going to say that. But after a highly emotional win, that might be an intangible to look at for this week, even though we're going to be at home. Hall wasn't doing bad. He was doing well. But look what Dobbs just as the game progressed. And we talked about his dual threat ability. I mean, 66 yards on the ground. The third largest rushing performance of a Viking this year, but Alexander Madison had 93 and high 70s, low 80s. And the uh, third highest rushing game this year was by Josh Dobbs last Sunday. And a couple of big ones. You know, that fourth quarter one, of course, when he threw the guy off his back. Then earlier in the game, I think second quarter, when he ran that one down to the two. Yep, for for a first down. I think that was third down. I think it was. And then he he threw that touchdown pass to Madison. And then he had the touchdown run uh, later as well. I think the line of scrimmage was around the 15, give or take. And then when he got chased in the pocket and had to bail out to the right, when he made the decision to run, he was standing on the 30-yard line and, right. and and got the edge to the left. Cam Akers absolutely flattened a dude, a defensive tackle, absolutely just flattened him and allowed Dobbs to Ted, that was Josh Dobbs from Tennessee Volunteers 2016. That That's what he looked like. I wondered, like, before he went in, he had the Alan Shepard prayer right before right before they lit that candle. It's like, dear Lord, please don't let me f*** up. <laughs> I think that's a standard pilot prayer. I, I, every, every guy I flew with, ever, we said that. I, I did, anyways. Did you? I did. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to do is screw something up and get killed and kill a bunch of other people. we got to take that copter up one of these days, you and I. No, I, I got no business being behind the controls of one of those anymore. That'll make it funner. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. Sure. It's nice to win that way and get your fourth in a row, Ted, because we're now five and four. Did you see that coming? I mean, you're sitting at one and four. You just lost to the defending Super Bowl champion. Now your your star wide receiver is out. Probably, they, you know, they said, I think that day he's probably going to go on the IR because of, because of the hamstring. Did you see this coming in your wildest dreams? No, I didn't. We talked about this a month ago. We were hoping for two and two. Yeah. There's been three things that have happened. Kevin O'Connell is is being much better play caller than he was the first six games, seven games of the season, whatever. The Vikings are in the top five of the NFL with committing penalties the last three weeks. Against the Falcons, we had one penalty for four yards. And then you get the depth guys, what Flores is getting out of the depth guys on defense. Since that Niner game, Ted, they've been on a roll since that game, like their whole Whole belief and their confidence seems higher. And they haven't completely eliminated the turnover thing. I mean, Kirk Cousins had an interception, I think, in that 49ers game. Josh Dobbs had a couple of turnovers early when he came in. But the flip side of that is the Vikings' defense is now taking the ball away. So if nothing else, those turnovers are being canceled. The Vikings were losing the turnover battle by two and three. I think they were minus minus three in week one against Tampa Bay, and it just got worse from there. And when they are turning the ball over, I was going to say it wasn't. It really isn't the red zone, but Josh Dobbs had that that fumble. I think his second possession, he had the he had the safety, and then he fumbled that second possession he he was in. But the defense has answered the call when the offense has stubbed their toe, and then 
on Sunday when the Falcons ran the ball down the Vikings' throat for that go-ahead touchdown, the offense answered the bell. I mean, they've been sure. playing very good complimentary football. Ever since that Bears game, we've only committed, I think, five turnovers. Yeah. And we've gotten 13. So there's been a big difference in that. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the turnovers are a big thing no one talks about. That controls a big part of the game, Ted. It does. Yeah, it really does. And then when you do turn the ball over deep inside your own territory and the defense can make a stand and hold the offense, the opposing offense, to a field goal. That wasn't happening earlier in the season either. And now, you know, you, you had talked about the Flores defense, just the light switch coming on for the personnel, and, and they're just playing – they are just playing absolute lights-out football. I want to mention Kevin O'Connell here because he was really taking a lot of flack from you for his play calling and from a lot of people. You were, you were far from the only person saying, hey, O'Connell needs to pull his head out of his posterior. Talk coming out of the locker room from that Sunday game – was what a masterclass Kevin O'Connell did in having Josh Dobbs understand the offense in real time. He would relay the play in. Dobbs would just kind of verbatim tell the huddle what the play is. And as they were breaking the huddle, O'Connell was in Josh Dobbs' ear saying, okay, this means Powell's going to do an in, Hawkinson's going to do a post or, or whatever. I mean, right. to, to get him to understand the play and and it was uh, I, Josh Dobbs himself mentioned, you know, it was like you're you're taking an AP Spanish course all year, and then you come in on Wednesday and they tell you your final is going to be in AP French, and and you <laughs> had to have somebody translate that for you. He and he said, and Kevin O'Connell did it. That and Dobbs never calling cadence for the offensive line and him doing it on the sideline once he was going in. He did it like three times. All right, let's go beat the Falcons, boys. It's just incredible. Just incredible stories from the sideline. Everything you just mentioned about, like, talking it through playground style, that's got to be one of the best Viking uh, offensive storylines to forever. I mean, that that's some Bud Grant-type stuff there with Francis. And that's where coaching matters. I don't mean to pick on Mike Zimmer or even Leslie Frazier or Brad Childers before him, but I don't know that there is a coach in recent Vikings history that would have been able to do that. I mean, heck, when no. when Josh Freeman came in and played that infamous Monday night game, and I was getting vibes when Dobbs had to come in, he obviously did not get that kind of coaching that Dobbs got from KOC on Sunday. Because had he, that game might have been a little bit different. I'm just saying. Nobody else could have done that. And I think the fact that Kevin O'Connell has grown up as a quarterback, he played quarterback at San Diego yeah. State, the fact that he was a quarterback allowed him to communicate with Dobbs like that. That's a really great point. I, I agree 100%. You know what? A lot of credit has to be given. And I have ripped O'Connell in the past because I think he's he has the play-calling ability. He was just kind of scared to, to show it. Mm-hmm. But he has been showing it the last three weeks. He has great poise on the sidelines. He never gets – I don't think he gets too worried. I think they learned that from his FBI father. His dad was a big shot in the FBI. Yeah. He taught him that you got you to keep your poise. you got to keep your wits about yourself. And when – Hall went down and Dobbs went in and had a really treacherous start with the safety and the fumble and all that. You never saw, really saw Kevin O'Connell get nervous about anything. No. Uh-uh. And he, he realized what he had to do as a coach. He, he had to do it and he got it done. Big step for him as a head coach. I think so too. Yeah, Best game really, he's ever coached. I would agree. Yeah. That was hands-on coaching that you probably don't do at that level usually. I mean, that's something you're going to do more at the, lower level, junior high, high school type stuff. That's that's something you normally don't have to do at the professional level because right. you normally don't have a guy playing quarterback for you that just 
showed up on Wednesday. Right. So we're, we're kind of on the Josh Dobbs train. Who wouldn't be? A couple other real quick pieces of news. Cam Akers, sadly, uh, is done for the year. We were advocating for more and more playtime for him from the moment he got signed by the Vikings. But now, tore his Achilles again. He had that injury in 21 or 22, I believe it was. 2021, 20, I think it was. As it stands right now, as of this recording, the Vikings really haven't signed anybody. KOC has said that Ty Chandler is going to see the field more. He's going to have to. Good. If, if they don't sign anybody, you're wondering if Dwayne McBride might not be brought up uh, off the practice squad. But right now, as it stands today, they've got uh, Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, CJ Ham, the fullback, and potentially McBride. We'll see if they go ahead and sign anybody. Justin Jefferson's eligible to come off the injured reserve list this week. Word is that he's probably not going to play this week, but he is very close. So I would expect he'll probably miss the Saints game, and then I would expect him to be in the following week. But we'll see. Make sure he's healed up. Make sure he is healed up. The Vikings are 4-0 without Justin Jefferson. So obviously, the Minnesota Vikings need to trade him as soon as possible because they can win without him. No, obviously not. We might want to think about getting Hank Basket and Bernard Berrien back because the way Dobbs is getting these receivers, <laughs> Dobbs' passes hang them out to dry a lot. We may they all may all be injured by the time we may face the Raiders. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Chad Beebe's a free agent. We should probably get him in here. What are we doing in fantasy football? Who won last week? Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't care about your fantasy team because I mailed in my running back pick and a cost me first place i think no tunes is back on top she won last week although although for the first time this year drew i believe you finished third you did not finish second i was last there's only one point with my team you only lost to her by four points ted damn it god all i had to do was all i had to do was come down here look at my running back <laughs> sheet pick a dude and i was upstairs and i was kind of drunk and i'm like ah acres <laughs> How I picked my running back last week. Uh, you noticed I, I, I re-asked you just to make sure. Is that you did. In, in Drew's defense, he did. Ted, are you sure you want to go with Cam Akers? <laughs> I do. I want Cam Akers. He's going to score four touchdowns. 150 yards rushing. Sackles. <laughs> and you can check out the updated uh, standings for Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team over on VikingsReport.com to see who our current first place and second and third place are. Remember, the winner at the end of the year gets that sweet Antoine Winfield jersey. But for now, Ruby, if you would, put this week's Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team selections up for team third place Drew, team second place Cat with no opposable thumbs, and team <laughs> right stuff, baby. Team right stuff. That's me. That's right. Stuff. <laughs> for hashtag nobody cares about your fantasy team are pretty simple. Drew, Ruby, and I each week are going to pick one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, and one tight end. Once we pick them, they're done for the year. We can only pick those players one single time. We will not be allowed to pick any of the Thursday night game players at all. And we're using our standard PPR scoring format. So you look at our fantasy teams and you tell us in the comments below. Ruby will have a section on the website each week for our fantasy team segment. If you win... You get two pretty cool prizes. So again, look at our fantasy teams and the comments below on this show. Put in who you think, Team Toonces, Team Ted, Team Drew, 
Hello again, everybody. Rabbit W. Farnsworth here. This week, a resurgent above 500. Purple Warriors return home to face the eternally cheating New Orleans Saints, led by Dennis Allen and the dastardly Derek Carr. Can the Vikings build on their four-game winning streak? Or will the Saints send the Vikings to Valhalla? We'll find out. All right. Dastardly cheaters. I'm going to always hate the Saints. This is going to be a hell of a game Sunday. I, is it really? I got some opinions about, about this game, about the Saints in particular. And we'll bring those up at the end. But, yeah, two teams that are 5-4 and four for the second week in a row. The Vikings face the first-place team in the NFC South. This week, it's the New Orleans Saints. As always, what we do is we preview the game using our NFL Today tribute big board. The great show from the 70s and 80s with Brent Musburger, Jimmy the Greek Snyder, and Drew, I've been remiss, the lovely and talented Phyllis George. Thank you. <laughs> we will move off to the side. Ruby will put up the big board here. And as always, we start with quarterback and finish with intangibles. It's, it's, it's stuff you can't see. Go play. <laughs> Shut up and watch the show. Uh, all right. You're going to kick us off with this quarterback thing? I had a tough time picking the quarterback, Dad. I will. Josh Dobbs gets the start again, like we talked about earlier, versus Derek Carr. Derek Carr's having a pretty good year with the Saints. He's got over 2,100 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, only four interceptions, completing passes at a 65% rate. I've never disliked Derek Carr, but Derek Carr never seemed like a difference maker at quarterback to me. He's got a good arm, but... Man, when stuff isn't going right, I, there was what that either a Thursday night or a Monday night game a few weeks ago. He was not on the same sheet of music as the receivers. You could see him chewing out his guys on the sidelines. It was either Olave right. or, or Michael Thomas. I can't remember which one. I don't know. There, there's something about Carr. I can't put my finger on it. Just screams. He's not an alpha guy in the huddle. He's not that guy that can get a team to where they want to go. And you look at what happened with Dobbs and the Vikings last Sunday and how the team just kind of embraced him. And how can you not go with Dobbs after what you saw last week? I'm going to go with Josh Dobbs, man. I am going with Dobbs also. And the only thing that worries me about Dobbs is the big emotional letdown game after the big high from last. That's the best game he's ever been involved with. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's face it. He's been in the league seven years. He's never had a game like that. Big emotional game. Will he have a letdown or will... He just keep rocking and rolling what he needs to do to keep learning to get better. I don't know. Both these quarterbacks press and they make mistakes. When they mm -hmm. That's Carr's problem. You see games with him going, damn, he's damn near elite over the last yeah. four years. And then yeah. you see games where you're going, that guy's a turd. He's terrible. But another factor I, I gave it to uh, Josh Dobbs for was the rushing. Dobbs had 66 yards last week. He's always been good dual threat quarterback getting yards on the ground. He had 66 yards last week. On the season, Derek Carr has 18 rushes for 23 yards. Hmm. So he's not going to be taken off and running anywhere. So that's an extra advantage they get. The only thing that would counter spot that would be Taysom Hill. You know, when he's a quarterback, he runs that wildcat, but he's not in there enough to make a difference in the pass game. He's a, he's a chode, so not whatever, Taysom Hill. He's a chode smoke, too. <laughs> he is, and he's a snarf. <laughs> you know what a snarf is? No idea. The person that smells bicycle seats on a hot day. Oh, okay. He's a big snarf. <laughs> and uh, I'm giving it to Dobbs. Folks, you're not going to get this kind of analysis anywhere else. Taysom Hill, he's a snarf. Complete chode. 
I'm going to give it to the rocket scientist. Why not? All right. The pastronaut. Running game. Why don't you lead us off with the running game this week? Alvin Kamara isn't what he used to be. And thank God, because he had that seven touchdown game against us. Yeah, was that, what, 2019? Oh, my Lord. That was terrible. Still a formidable dual threat, though, Ted. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. He always has been ever since he played at Tennessee. I looked up his long run for this year. 17 yards is his longest. That's not Kamara at all. But they have the Taysom Taysom Hill down to the goal line. That's always successful for them in that wildcat formation. Short yardage and at the goal line. I had to give the Saints the running game because of mainly the Akers injury and the Vikings are unsettled at running. They're unsettled in the running game and they were what ranked? 29th coming in. 29th coming in and now they lost. Now they're unsettled. So yeah. I couldn't, in good judgment, give it to the Vikings. So the Saints get my uh, check mark for the running game. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Kamara's only running the ball at what, three, just over, barely over three and a half yards per carry, 3.6, I think it is. Taysom right. Hill is running over five yards per clip. He just doesn't carry the ball as much. But like you said, they, they use him in those unique packages. It's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings do to address the running game. Uh, that said, I do believe Josh Jobs can be a great equalizer in the running game. He had, what, 66 yards on Sunday. Well, I think was leading rusher for both teams that entire game. If I'd have to look that up, but I believe that's what Chris told us on, on our live postgame show. All right, receiving game. So Jordan Addison was a little bit sore. Brandon Powell was suffering from cramps. K.J. Osborne about got killed. T.J. Hawkinson's got uh, some kind of rib or oblique injury. The, the Vikings receiving core has been, I would argue, with Jordan Addison coming on, the best in the NFL when you put Justin Jefferson back in there, man, I don't know now. Powell stepped up, had a great game. Uh, he's been playing really good football. I just wonder about the overall health of the unit. You know, uh, K.J. Osborne's in concussion protocol. Tristan Jackson made a big catch on that two-point conversion. I'd expect we'll see him play some. But it, but it looks like at the end of that game on Sunday against the Falcons, wide receiver one was Jordan Addison and, and wide receiver two was Brandon Powell. If that's the case, you look over the other side of the ball, you've got Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara's got 43 catches. He's second on the team in receptions. And then you got they got a guy like Rashid Shahid. He reminds me a lot of John Gilliam back in the 70s. Totally. Totally. Doesn't catch a lot of passes, but like, man, they're huge. Like he's averaged, what, 20, almost 20 yards a catch. I mean, they're just Chunks of yard. As much as I don't want to, uh, I think if the Vikings receiving core was healthy, I would give it to them. But I've got to give it to the Saints, and it's not because they have two Ohio State guys at the top of their roster. I, it, they're just healthier, and the Vikings, I think, for as much as uh, the run game is unsettled, the receiving game could be in that spot as well for Minnesota. It was pretty easy to pick the Saints on this one, Ted. Just yeah. like everything you said, because of injuries. You got Dobbs, who doesn't know the receivers very well. You got JJ's out. Osborne's going to be out. Hawkins is going to play. And then you factor in the Saints, what, seventh-ranked defense against the pass? Yeah. Yeah, they're only giving up 192 a game. You factor that in. And then you factor in this. The big three for the Saints, Olave, Michael Thomas, both from the Ohio State. Let's get that out of the way because I knew it was coming. <laughs> and Rashid Shahid. 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 Um, where's he from, Ted? I, that I don't know. Well, of course you don't. Because you only do the Ohio State guys. He's from the great Weber State. Oh, oh, of course. I knew great that. Weber State Wildcats out of Ogden, Utah. Come on, Ted. I'm sorry. Those three wide receivers combined, Ted, let me throw these numbers at you. 114 catches, 1,503 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah. And everything else I mentioned with the new quarterback, Dobbs, and the pass defense of the Saints, 
it was pretty easy for me to give the Saints the, the check mark here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. Drewster, tell me about the offensive line. Who, who do you like here? I was looking down the list and look at people's numbers and everything, and it's kind of like the Saints have done a lot of shuffling with their offensive line this season. Cesar Ruiz has started every position along the line except right tackle. With Darisaw, if Darisaw plays, I'm giving my check mark to the Vikings. Okay. Uh, because I think it's pretty close all the way down the line when you when you look to a man on the offensive line. They got some good players. With Darisaw in there, the Vikings offensive line is getting to be top in the league, if you ask me, man. It's, they really are. And that's a weird thing for us to say, being we haven't had an offensive line since Favre was here. I can't give the Saints the check mark if Darisaw plays. But if he doesn't, probably a push. But I'm going to give it to the Vikings. Okay, that's fair. I'm giving it to the Vikings as well. I, I liked. I remember Ryan Ramchick was was hitting free agency a couple years ago. A lot of Vikings fans were clamoring for him when when the tackle situation was so unsettled for the Vikings. Caesar Ruiz. We do not want to confuse him with Dog Whisperer Caesar Milan. Um, Caesar Ruiz <laughs> is is his own guy. Michigan baby, Michigan. Is he really? Yes, he is. Ted. Andrus Andrus Pete, I think, is a very good left tackle. They've got a good offensive line, but like you said, it's it's hard to go against the Vikings' offensive line now, which I can't believe I find myself saying that halfway into this season. Front seven. I don't know that there has been a bigger transformation from week one to now than the Minnesota Vikings' front seven. Their front seven is on fire, Ted. Yeah, like Scott Crossfield in the X-15. Go, baby, like a rocket. DJ Wanham has really coming on these last couple weeks. Daniil Hunter, I think, still leads the NFL in sacks. Jordan Hicks is playing some great football. Ivan Pace Jr., I think, is making a very good argument for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, This is a unit that has just really learned the Brian Flores system and is playing very well in it. And the one thing I've noticed, and I I meant to mention this on Sunday, but there's so much other stuff happened. This Vikings defense, especially in the front seven, seems a lot more disciplined than they were earlier in the year. When there's a play to the outside or wherever, to a gap, the Vikings front seven especially does not leave to pursue. They stay home. So if you've got a guy on the edge like, say, Daniil Hunter, he doesn't come crashing down on uh, if the run play is coming to the edge. He'll set the edge, and he'll right. say, you're not getting by here, which will force the, the runner to change directions, and that means they're waiting Pace and Hicks and everybody else is, is there waiting for them. And this discipline that they are showing just seems way better than it was the first two, three games of the year. And God, it's not even the same defense that we saw last year. I really, really like what Flores is doing with this front seven. I don't dislike the Saints' front seven. Cam Jordan's kind of a punk for what he said about Kirk Cousins in the offseason. He's their best player. Demario Davis is pretty good. But overall, I think the Saints have better individual players. This front seven unit is playing better as well as good as anybody in the NFL. I'm going to give it to the Vikings here. That discipline you're talking about, the guys, how they're playing, that's Flores. Uh, Yeah, 100%. He is disciplined. He's keeping those guys in line. And let me tell you, Brian Flores is keeping the front seven moving around enough pre-snap, and he's moving guys into gap. He's moving. He has the defensive players playing to their strengths. When you watch this front seven on Sunday, notice how many times he'll have seven guys standing up. Nobody will be in a stance. All seven guys will be within a yard or two of the line of scrimmage. And if you're, you know, like Taylor Heineke last week or Derek Carr this week, you're wondering, well, who, who the hell's rushing and, and who who's dropping back? Are you all are you are you are you all crashing? Or, or and he'll have six dudes drop back. I saw a play to Harrison Phillips. Dropped in his own coverage into the flat. Harrison Phillips. I mean, right. the, the, that is just like 
graduate level PhD pastronaut, man. Like it's just wild and it's working. And you know what? That's an element of the Vikings defense. We didn't have last year at all. Yeah. It was just base three, four, no movement, snap it. Corners are 15 yards off. Easy slant pattern for the wide receiver. Yep. Speaking of uh, Harrison Phillips, he's been playing his ass off the last two weeks. He has. Yeah, he sure has. I, I should have mentioned him as well. The Vikings are now 12th against the run, Ted. The team that has been 32nd and 30th the last, what, 50 games mm-hmm. is now 12th in the NFL, people. Raise your hands. Give a shout out. 12. And you know what's ahead of 12? The top 10. Twelfth in run defense. The Vikings have 24 sacks, tied for eighth in the NFL league. The Saints have 17, tied for last with the Jets and the Browns. 17 sacks isn't a lot of pressure. That's something you got to look for Sunday. Whoever pressures the quarterback more without having to blitz. And they're facing a stationary target back there with Carr. Their front seven, I like Cam Jordan. I love Saunders and Shepard in there. And Demario Davis, he's one of the best players on there. So, I mean, the great Pete Warner from... Ohio State. When I did a draft write-up, you said I was crazy to have him in my top 15. You did. You said Pete Warner's not going to be any good, and I was right. He is. He, he is. I'm giving the front seven to the Vikings because they have just been playing exceptional. What about the secondary, Drewster? I have to give that to New Orleans, Ted. Really? That's a strong part of their team. Okay. Seventh ranked pass defense. Third in tackles on the team is Lattimore. They got good corners. They should call these guys the New Orleans Buckeyes, man. They got Buckeyes all over their stinking roster. I hate it. Lattimore's a Buckeye. Yeah, I know. I think they have a very competent secondary. This is the one thing you notice. Listen, Ted, write this down. If your secondary is seventh in the NFL in pass defense. Secondary is seventh. Hang on, I got to write off. You told me right now. Okay, seventh. And your defense is last in sacks. And last in sacks. Okay. That translates to you having a pretty damn good secondary because it usually doesn't work like that. Pretty damn good secondary. Okay, got it. Got it. The fact that they're last in quarterback sacks and they still have the seventh-rate secondary is incredible to me. Yeah. They got to be doing something right, so they get my check mark. That's fair. I just like the way the Vikings secondary has played. I mean, this whole – the entire defense has, has improved dramatically. One of the guys that is really starting to stand out for me is Makai Blackman. I saw he's in the top 20 in terms of PFF ratings for, for cornerbacks in the NFL. Caleb Evans, I think, had a bounce-back game. Byron Murphy had a pick. Josh Metellus, man, what a season he's having. Dude, I'm really loving this Vikings defense. And and after they made all those stops last week against the Falcons, I can't pick against them. I'm picking the secondary for the Vikings this week. Well, they got a whole different group of receivers this week compared to the Falcons. They do. And it's going to be essential that the front seven brings a lot of pressure on Carr. If they could do that, I think they can get a turnover or two. You know, one of my favorite plays on defense the Vikings do, and it happens like once a week. The other team will throw like a wide receiver screen, like a quick pat in the flat. And then, you know, you see it every week. Every team does it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Caleb Evans always shoots through there and takes the guy out at the knees for like a four-yard loss. I absolutely love that play. He does it all the time. Or if he misses the tackle, he disrupts the play to the point where you've got a guy shooting out to block him out of the the path of the runner, which frees up Smith or Wanham coming from the side to neutralize that play for little to no gain. Yeah. Yeah, for a guy that gets concussions, he's not scared to put his head in there. <laughs> red zone. Neither of these teams are good in the red zone. The Vikes, 22nd offensively, 18th defensively. The Saints are 28th in the NFL on offense in the red zone. A little bit better on defense, about 16th in the NFL. 
I like the Vikings in the red zone here, and we saw why last week with Josh Dobbs. He, he brings a dynamic to the Vikings, and I believe they're going to have to use him in the red zone this week. Although he, he did throw two touchdown passes to Alexander Madison and then the game winner to Brandon Powell, he also has the ability to evade the rush. And the thing about that is if you got guys in the secondary kind of one eye on the receiver and one guy on, on the quarterback, they're going to have to commit one way. And whatever way they commit is an advantage for the Vikings the other way. So I think the Dobbs running ability is going to be a lot more apparent in the red zone, and I'm going to give that to Minnesota this week. Great points. I, I'm not going to argue with any of that. And I think the Falcons would uh, back you on all that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Saints, if you break down their red zone offense, which isn't very good, they're only good from the three-yard line in when they use Taysom Hill on that Wildcat. If they're out at the eight-yard line, they don't use them. That's where they're weak. I mean, they're ranked 28th in the league in offensive red zone. But every time you see them at the two, they run Taysom Hill and he scores. I think Flores is going to be ready for that Taysom Hill nonsense. I hope so. Without Taysom Hill, I think the Saints would be last in the red zone offense. Yeah, I'd buy that. I'm going Vikings for the red zone, Ted, for everything you said. And, and uh, they're at home. They're going to get some calls to go their way. Vikings, get the check. Special teams, who you got? Do you know Wright is kicking the ball for 50 yards of average? Yeah. yeah. He is a great punter. Yes. Their punter is a snarf. He's a 42-yard average. That makes a difference for field position. I don't know much about Blake Groupie, Groupe, Groupe, whatever his name is. But uh, Joseph's coming off his most solid game of the season. I got the Vikings for the special teams, except for one point. So I'll bring it up in intangibles. I like the Vikings. Add in Brandon Powell. I thought he made a couple of big plays, returning punts last week. The Vikings finally have a legit punt returner. I'm going with the Vikings there. Coaching. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about Kevin O'Connell, what he did with Josh Dobbs uh, last Sunday. You add in the great stuff we've said about Brian Flores and Matt Daniels and the Vikings special teams. It's not hard not to take the Vikings, which I, I am. I do want to point out that the the Saints defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, was the Vikings. If the name sounds familiar, he was the Vikings defensive back coach from 2006 to 2013. You think about some of the great defenses the Vikings had under Leslie Frazier and a couple under Brad Childers, you know, the guys like Xavier Woods. He helped develop, you know, and drafted him in 2013 and and kind of showed him the, the ways of the NFL. Oh, Xavier Rhodes? Yeah, yeah. But Joe Woods was a very good defensive backs coach for the Vikings back in the day. So He was. He was. Good defensive coordinator, but, I, man, I, I just love the vibe the Vikes are giving off, and a lot of that has, starts with the coaching staff. So, skull. Pete Carmichael, 17 years offensive coordinator. Dennis Allen, he spent like five years, I think, before he went to the Raiders. He was with the Saints four or five years. Went to the Raiders, Broncos and Raiders. And then he's been back with the Saints for a couple of years. That's a lot of experience on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to the Vikings also because the Vikings need to get more helmets on the board that we got. I think it's really pretty much a push, but we got the classic defensive head coach with Dennis Allen against Kevin O'Connell, who's nothing but an offensive coach. So you got two head coaches on different sides of the ball going at each other. It's going to be very interesting to see how this works out. I'll give the Vikings the edge because of last week, the job they did last week. Okay. They deserve a carryover for the pick, but there's a lot of experience on that Saints on the Saints side. There is, yeah. And then finally, intangibles. What do you got, Ted, for some intangibles? Drew, you mentioned turnovers. I'm, I, I'm assuming you're going to hit that one hard, so I'm going to defer that one to you. My two other big ones are Rocket Man and complacency. What can we expect from Josh Dobbs this week? You would think that with a week to prepare, 
and fully digest the playbook and just kind of have a, a more solid understanding of concepts and everything that he would do better. But man, sometimes when you just got to go out there and just play with no thought or no preparation, you just play out of your mind. How are his emotions going to be when he takes the field as a starter? And then same for the Vikings. You know, I, I say complacency, not necessarily complacency, but how many times have we seen the Vikings have a huge win when you really kind of didn't expect it and, and you get this big emotional high and they just they just come out super flat the next week and play very uninspired football for, for most of the game. They haven't done that this year with the Niner win. They came out strong the next week. Yeah. So how does Kevin O'Connell get the team kind of back, you know, back to even keel and then emotionally up for the for this game on Sunday? Because man, if they can win Sunday, now you're you're six and four, you're two games clear of five hundred after a one and four start. You you said every game is a playoff game from here on out, and and it really is. They can't afford to to lose a game and lose more ground to Detroit. If they could stay within two games. They've got two games with them the last three weeks of the year, so they control their own destiny for the time being, but but they got to keep winning. For the Saints, man, who have they beat? Their wins are, what, Tennessee, Carolina, New England, Indy, and Chicago. The combined record of those teams are, what, 12-31 and 31 is what I wrote down here if I did my math correctly. They've played a lot of crappy teams, Ted. They've lost to Green Bay. They've lost to Tampa Bay. And their other two losses are fairly legit at Houston and, and Jacksonville. But we threw out a bunch of really good numbers for the Saints, but it's been against crappy football teams. I think these guys are more pretender than contender, if you want my honest opinion. We'll see on Sunday. That's my big intangible for them. What kind of team are they really? Yeah, good numbers, but against who? My intangible what is the same as going into the Packer game. Remember, I mentioned they didn't play anybody either. Yeah. That rolls over to the Saints. They haven't really played anybody either. The one thing people got to watch out for, Rashid Shahid. That guy is an amazing kick returner, punt returner. He has a 15.4 average for returning punts, which means he's almost breaking all of them. 15.4 is not shoddy. Yeah. Usually guys get like six or eight, and he's got a touchdown. The Vikings return the, the coverage on the punts. Better be ready because that guy can return punts. That's my intangibles, but Vikings get it. Vikings are at home. They're starting to believe they can win, Ted. I don't know about you. I kind of feel they have a winning kind of attitude now. Like, they're expecting to win and not fumble. Like they did the first month of the season. Oh, God, we're going to turn it over again. Mm -hmm. That has turned around. The penalties have turned around. Kevin O'Connell's play calling has turned around. We're turning a corner, and the defense is on fire. All right. That'll do it for our big board preview. Can Josh Dobbs not turn the ball over? Uh, you know, you, you said the Saints are, they're what, plus eight, I think, in turnover margin? Top yes. five in the NFL, they're they're right up there. If they cannot turn the ball over and, and continue to not shoot themselves in the foot, I think they're going to win. Last week was the first time they'd scored over 30 points all year. I kind of like the vibe this Vikings team has given. I, I really do. I think they're going to play well on Sunday. This is potentially a tiebreaker. The Falcons are the Saints. Yeah. If Detroit wins a division, these are the teams we're going to be fighting with to get the uh, – playoff spot and head-to-head -head is like a whole other game it's like a game ahead right yeah, i mean great point. that's the first tiebreaker so these other teams that are going to be fighting for playoff spots we need this for a tiebreaker against them also sure do all right so that is our preview for this week we'll go ahead and take a quick break come back and wrap the show up with the grand return of toons's trivia it's my pleasure to introduce to you america's 
They were an elite fraternity who risked their lives to move faster and soar higher than anyone dared to imagine. It took more than spirit, more than determination, more than courage. It took the right stop. They all want to see Buck Rogers, and that's us. Rated PG. Special advance preview this Saturday. Welcome to Toots' Trivia. How you guys doing? Good, Toots's. How are you? Good. We're back. Love it. We're back, and my mind is just as warped as usual. All right, this week we have the wrong stuff, the right stuff, picture puzzles, and potpourri. I don't know if you remember, but Jeopardy always had that potpourri category. Hey, Ted, is potpourri like intangible? No, you can see potpourri, and you can smell it usually. It's, it's something you put like in a little dish and burn. I know about putting stuff in a ditch and burning. Much like my hopes and dreams. <laughs> Alrighty then. Here we go for a hundred. Which player does not belong? So that's Kelsey. It looks like Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. Is that, is that Taysom, Taysom Hill? Hill? Is that Taysom Hill? <laughs> he doesn't belong. <laughs> that is correct. Oh. <laughs> that guy just felt the wrath of Toots as Ted Glover. Nice. That's awesome. Alright, here we go for two hundred. <laughs> we'll say David Carr is okay, Derek Carr is not. No, I think it's the other way around. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be pick on Saints all week. This guy's <laughs> sucked. Are you kidding? <laughs> How about they both suck and we both get 200? How's that? That'll work. Rookie year, he got sacked like 72 times. That was terrible. All right, for 300, who is he? Uh, Willie Sneed? <laughs> no. Who is that dude? Oh, it's that guy, the tight end, Graham, Jimmy yes. Graham. Jimmy, that's Jimmy Graham? Yes. Yeah, you know how you know? Jimmy Graham looks like one of those uh, dark seekers from um, I Am Legend, the Space Wolf Smith. He's a dark seeker, dude. That was Jimmy wow. Graham. By the way, healthy scratch last week. He's not going to play again this week. Why and how is he still in the league? Isn't he like 50? That I don't know. It's his... I mean, I think he got drafted the same year Joe Sensor did back in 1979. <laughs> okay, the right stuff. This one, um, I'm going to show you a picture of an awesome Vikings versus Saints when you tell me at least the year. If you can say the month, that's awesome, too. But here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, is that the London game? Yes. The Vikings won when he, do he doinked that kick right there. That was the doink. The double doink. What year was that? Last year. Last year. Yeah, that was last year. Yes. Very good. October 2nd, 2022. All right, for 200, what year was this? Oh, that's the Miracle. Uh, that's the Miracle game. That would have been... That's not the Miracle game. No, that's not the Miracle That's game. the playoff. That, I think, was the year before. The Sam Bradford Monday night game. Really? Yes. Do you remember what year that was? Well, that would have been 2017. That was the Monday night. That was the season opener, I think. I think that it was. Is correct. 2017. Yeah. Wow. Ted. Good job, Ted. All right, for 300, what year was that? Oh, that was, God, that was Winfield. It was a Monday night game. Yeah. It was 2008, I think. Drew, you're right. On this one, he causes the fumble and returns it. I don't think it's for a touchdown, but yes, you're correct. That was October 6, 2008. Rooster, good yeah. job, man. I love that picture. So freaking awesome. That is a good picture. God, he just waylaid Breeze, too, man. That was awesome. God, he, bam. Potpourri for 100, please. Alrighty. This band sang the song, The Right Stuff. 
new kids on the block, isn't it? Ted! Ted knows his boy bands! Oh, 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 Wow! Right on. I thought it was an actual good band. All right, for 200, name this movie. Which, coincidentally, is the same as Toonce's not- Oh, that would be seven. Seven! <laughs> What's in the box? Seven, <laughs> What's in the box? It's your wife's head, dude. All right, for 300, how many wonders of the world are there? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Man, she is. She is. <laughs> Man, no mercy. No mercy at all. Okay. <laughs> all right, picture puzzles. These are all Saints current players. All right, name the player. Tyrone Matthew. Tyrone Matthew. Tyrone. Yep. <laughs> the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger. I don't think that's how you really pronounce it, but that's what it looks like. All right, for 200, name the player. Um, the hell is that guy? <laughs> I don't know who the top guy is. Chris, Chris Olave! Yes, that's okay. Chris Gates! <laughs> <laughs> who is that? That's Chris Gates. Oh, it was? What? Yes. That wasn't Chris Gates. Yes, put that back is. up there. Put that, put that back up there. All right, last one. Oh, my God! Alright, thanks Ruby. It's so good to have Trivia back. So good to have the show back. Drew, as always, you make me smarter with football knowledge. We laugh. We have a good time. Ruby, without you, there would be no Vikings report with Drew and Ted. Thanks to everybody who watches, comments, who participates in the contest, watches our post-game shows and comments for prizes. We're still growing. We're, we're over 25,000 strong and growing in terms of subscriptions. So please subscribe, like, ring the bell, all that good stuff. As for me, I'll try to do better the next time. Brother, take us home. Episode 113 is now officially in the books, Ted. Thank you so much for the great hosting job. I know it's not easy to put up with me, but somebody has to do it. Vikings go for their fifth straight win, folks. On uh, Sunday, so enjoy that game. They're coming back home for some home cooking, and we will be live with you after the game. The whole Vikings Report crew, and you know, all four of us, we do like to have fun. You know why, Ted? It's football, it's fun, and it's Vikings Report. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. <laughs> Moonshot.